no more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. Maybe the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. Welcome to Media and the End of the World, Season 2. This is Adam, and unfortunately today, Ralph is not able to join me. No, he hasn't been fired, but unfortunately we had some scheduling conflicts that came up, which means that I'm going to be running the podcast solo. But fortunately enough for everybody... We have a special guest in the house, which is why I wanted to make sure that we continued to proceed with doing this interview itself. We have a really, really good friend of mine and colleague. His name is Keegan Longwheeler, and he has a really fascinating story. I wanted to bring him in as soon as I possibly could because I feel like we get a really good story talking to him uh, now versus, say, even a few weeks from now. And we'll get into why that is. But uh, to give a little bit of backstory into what we're going to be going over, Keegan is back working at OU after nearly uh, almost two months of medical leave in which he had to have emergency brain tumor surgery. Um, and it was uh, scary for a lot of us. Uh, you know, Keegan, uh, probably the least of which, um, and, uh, I wanted to talk to him because, because that's, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy life event to go through. But then we also get into what this podcast is about, which is media and the perceptions of media and, and, and how we interact with media itself and, and, and to dive in to that a little bit deeper, uh, with him as well. But let's go ahead and get right into it. I want to welcome to the end of the world. Keegan, Keegan, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Um, so my first question is, were there ever any hints that something like this could possibly happen? Anything in the, in the past or? Uh, no, there, there weren't. Um, and I was actually, so I, I came back from OLC, uh, innovate and I was, uh, feeling, feeling awesome actually at that time, uh, just coming back off the, uh, off the, um, the energy and, and all of that fun. Um, and then came back to work on Monday, started, you know, all the normal things you do when you come back from a trip. Uh, and then Tuesday started feeling a little sick. Um, but it wasn't anything major. Um, it wasn't anything to indicate what was about to transpire. Uh, went home uh, after taking some, you know, headache medicine. Uh, had a my temperature was rising quite a bit. Um, one of the very lucky things that did happen though is so on that Tuesday night, my wife was going to head to ballet, um, and. You know, I had a I had a temperature, and um, because I wasn't feeling so bad, I we had talked about it, and you know, she she probably could have gone because I was I mean I was just going to sleep was my plan um, to to fight some of it off with some headache medicine, um, and then uh, luckily I was like you know maybe you should stay because uh, 
no one's going to be able to cook and all these things. And luckily she did because later that evening, um, while she was, while she was cooking, actually, um, I had my first, uh, seizure, at least that I know about. Um, so that was, uh, pretty intense, but you ought to forgive me somewhat at this, at this like point, because some of my memories are really kind of jumbled in some of this, like, some of the things that happened over a five-day period <laughs> yeah. felt like uh, closer to, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, they rushed me off to the emergency room, and they didn't know what was wrong for a while. They did scans and all those kinds of things. Um, one of the doctors, because they hadn't figured everything out yet, um, they said that they were um, also considering like a spinal tap and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like, I don't want to do that one. Um, but um, I guess luckily, fortunately, I don't know, that's a weird kind of thing to say in this story. Um, they found them uh, in some of the earlier scans in the CAT scan, I believe. Um, they'd found a uh, mass on my head and then they did an MRI and then come back and that was a, was a brain tumor. So... Um, the fortunate thing about this and all of this story is it was uh, only about like a, an inch or so big, and then it was only like two or three millimeters deep. Um, so it wasn't like that part was very positive. Um, the reason I didn't necessarily know about it, cause it was, it was located in my, both my speech and, um, and visual like re- recognition centers. Um, so Eventually, uh, I would have like started to see artifacts or had speech things that were starting to happen. Um, but the seizure kind of was the the quick the quick start to know <laughs> that something was happening um, because apparently my uh, tumor was pushing on my brain. So it decided it was time to come out instead. So that happened and uh, on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, um, neurosurgeon came in and he was like, "Hey." I want to take that out today. And I was like, okay, uh, whatever. So, um, that was kind of crazy, you know, and it's weird too. like, you know, you sign all those documents before you have to go into something big like that. And it's weird. Cause like, I don't know, you're like, do I sign this and nothing happens or do I sign it and we try and fix this? Oh, that, that part kind of feels weird. Um, just in the context of the, the, the iTunes agreements and all these other things that you don't necessarily. <laughs> conditions yeah. of, of so, brain surgery. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's fun. I, I find joy in the fact that we can talk about this now and, and you're, you're laughing your way through it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's chuckling through. I, um, but what, what are some of the thoughts at that moment in time when you're told that you are, are going to have to go under for brain surgery? You know, do you remember, like, what are the things that are sort of, um, floating to the top of mind of like, wow, what if, you know, I can't blank? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the immediate things are all the folks in the room because, um, you know, my wife was at my bedside and, um, you know, she was crying and lots of the folks in the room were doing the same thing. But um, it was, I don't know, it was one of those things where like, I wasn't even like, 
crying or you make noises. Like I just had like kind of silent tears rolling down at that time. Um, and then I remember folks coming up and hugging me. I can't tell you who all was in the room because my memory does not. I just don't recall those details. I do remember thinking though, I was like, I was so sad because the thing I was looking forward to the most that week was I was looking forward to the uh, Avengers Infinity War movie <laughs> that I was like so excited for. I was going to come back from OLC and then go to that um, and then plan for the rest of the year. Uh, for trainings and stuff, and that did not happen. So I was I was really kind of like, yeah. I mean, while I was sitting there, I was kind of like, man, there's a chance now that I won't get to see this movie, and that's like <laughs> – that's intense. Of course, I was also worried about not getting to see all my family and friends <laughs> and all those things. So don't get me wrong about that stuff. Um, no, but, that's exactly what I was asking about. Like what is a thing? Yeah, know, yeah. Man, I am not going to see Infinity War. Um you mentioned uh, the conference that you were attending, OLC Innovate. Uh, for listeners who may not know your background, you know, if you're giving an elevator pitch of what you do for a living, uh, what do you, what do you say? Um, usually, I just start with I'm a I'm an educator, so that's what I am through and through. Um, when folks that ask that aren't like necessarily familiar, I say that I teach instructors about tools and practices and different things they can do to both engage students or um, or just have fun in their classroom too, um, whether that's anything from from iPads and those things to heck podcasting and that stuff as well. So I kind of I try and spread the gambit out a little bit with that. But yeah, um, I mean, your your professional career, it's so directly tied to technology. You know, what are those first feelings coming out of surgery as far as, you know, are you grabbing for your phone? Are you you realizing that you don't, you know, that's not probably the the smartest move for you to to be doing at the moment? You know, how, how quickly was it that you started to recognize that, um, because of, because of the surgery and, and feel free to talk about that as well. Sort of what, you know, what is the, the, the relationship that you begin to have with media or social media? Um, and let's keep this t- time, the time frame of, of right after, like right after surgery has happened. Yeah. In which I, you know, spoiler alert, everything goes well, obviously, you know, like, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Like we know, we know sort of where the, the end of the story is. Um, but, but you know, that first week or so that you come out of surgery, um, um, what, what are you able to do and not do, and maybe not even related to technology, but just in general paint a picture for, for me. Yeah. I mean, so you'll have to forgive me in some instances because definitely like the first 24 hours in particular, I don't have like that. I don't even like really remember, um, except a catheter. I will say that that is hard to forget. <laughs> but um, the yeah, I I actually don't remember um, having I don't think I had my phone at all the whole time, um, at least that I was in the hospital. And I don't, I don't even remember when I actually got it because I was, I was actually separated from it for so long uh, and, you know, notifications and all those kinds of things for so long that I don't even remember when I first picked it up and started using it again because all my family, uh, my wife was with me the whole time. So like I was just, you know, I was chatting with her and, you know, I, I didn't necessarily uh, wasn't in my normal texting regiment that I would have during the day. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I know that some folks helped me out though in that regard, because like, uh, 
folks in my office, John, for instance, did some of the office things and informing folks. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily do any of that. Um, and then I, I guess my family members did the same thing in those circles and the friend circles because everybody was coming and seeing me too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't even tell you. I mean, it was probably a month or something after I'd even had that, um, my phone at my side again. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that um, the the area where the tumor was, was uh, closely related to uh, speech and, and visibility. You know, what was it like to um, say, speak for a while or to, or to, to read? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I've kind of like in my recovery, of course, I had some just physical things were a big part of it um, for eyesight and stuff related to the physical. Um, I couldn't like turn my head very much at all. Um, uh, and I definitely couldn't look up and down. Like those things were probably the most difficult and stuck with me the longest. Um, but turning my, turning my head to like extreme angles was, uh, something that I just couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So like my, my vision was basically straight in front of me. And then if I was turning my head, I had to do it really, really slowly um, to look around the room and stuff. Uh, so that's kind of the visual side, uh, the, the, the mental piece. So the, the words and those things, um, that actually was more of a struggle than I necessarily thought it would be. Because one thing that happened when I came out of surgery is I felt all there. Like I felt all of my mind. I felt all of those things. I felt like Keegan still. Um, but eventually, like when I was starting to do reading and doing some of those things, I was like, oh, that's a word that I know, that I know, but I cannot recall what it is. Hmm. So one of the first instances of that was this, T-H-I-S. I was like, I see that on the page and I know I should know what that word is because it's really simple, but I just cannot recall what it actually is. Um, so that happened probably with... Can't, can't recall it from like a pronunciation or like a like a just not... <laughs> Not knowing what the what the meaning was, um, not knowing the meaning, I see. how to say it, gotcha. or like, wow. yeah, like any, or how to pronounce it even. Um, so I'm doing a lot more like sounding out now in these last few months than I've done <laughs> in a really long time. Um, but you know, I I give that example, and it wasn't necessarily like that extreme because I'd probably say that about ninety to maybe ninety five of percent of words were still fine for the most part. Um, but man, when I would get like stumble upon one that I was like, oh my gosh, I should know this because it's like a simple everyday word. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to recall it. I don't even know what it means necessarily. Like that was actually, that may have been probably one of the hardest things during recovery mm-hmm. was that part. Um, <laughs> we had this, so we were talking for some reason, I don't know, uh, around the family table at one point, we were talking about uh, study abroad experiences and those kinds of things and just things you learn while you're out of the country and stuff. And I don't know why the conversation veered this way. I can't explain any of that. But we are talking about beans and rice at one point. Um, and at this point, I was starting to like go through like when I would hear words, I was trying to uh, adapt meaning to them and like like I was actively trying to 
connect everything as much as I could because once I would reconnect something, like it would come back for the most part. So once I learned this, I got it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but ar- around the beans and rice, I was like, oh, beans and rice, um, uh, biochemistry, those have the 20. And then I couldn't remember the word. And I was like, okay, it's not proteins. It's not, uh, what is it? It's, you know, it's not like any of these things. I'm going through terms in my head from biochemistry stuff. And then I was like, okay, I cannot, I cannot actually recall this. So I had to pull my phone out. And luckily there's um, the autofill or what to a degree that was very, that's been very <laughs> helpful in the last few weeks. Um, but I could, uh, I could type in like biochemistry 20 and then it was amino acids. That's what I couldn't, of course, I yeah. couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't remember that, but um, yeah, that's happened a lot where I'm just like, oh, like I'll come to something that I just uh, I, I'll just I'll have a hiccup or I'll stumble uh, mentally, um, and I'm just trying to to reconnect all of those parts mm-hmm. of my mind again. See, at least you have a, a a real reason for that. That happens to me all the time, and I have nothing that I can blame it on. It's just I'm very poor at vocabulary as it is. So, so I definitely wouldn't. Or I don't remember amino acids. I can't tell you what what, it, what that even. You know what that is. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you are forgiven for not remembering that one. Yeah. I mean, some of it was just because I, I guess I felt compelled to do it too. You know, yeah. like you're like, I don't know where my line is of things that I've actually forgotten because I haven't spent time with them versus things that I have disappeared because of this event. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so a quick story. I about a year and a half ago, I gave up diet coke, mm-hmm. and that was like a, it wasn't really a New Year's resolution, but it did happen to coincide with the beginning of the year last year. And I have yet to have a diet coke. I've had everything um, close to a diet coke. Like I've had like a regular coke, you know. I've had like a, like a, a diet cherry limeade, which is sort of close, you know. Um, but I still haven't had it. And and part of my hope the whole time was that eventually uh, my desire for Diet Coke was going to eventually evapor- evaporate, and all I wanted in the world was water. And I can I can say uh, with a with a fairly you know amount of amount of certainty that that is not true. And uh, it, it was it was a way in which I realized that I was addicted to Diet Coke was that I've I haven't done it for a year and a half and I still like even just talking about it. Like, I get this like feeling inside of me, you know, that just makes me want to, which, which reminds me a lot of when I talk to people who have given up smoking, say the same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. like you never lose the, uh, the desire to have a cigarette. Anyways, that's all a, a setup to say that like, I feel like you have gone through, you've at least had some time away that it's almost like a denoising process that you've been able to go through. Um, what have you acclimated back to where you were as it relates to, I mean, you know, you don't have the, this, the similar ability to, uh, to, 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 to know all the words, what you're reading. I imagine that something like a, like a scrolling screen is not, uh, incredibly, uh, uh, inducive to, to something that you find a lot of joy in right now. You know, have you found yourself that you are, um, getting back to that or even want to get back to that? Um, so one of the things actually very similar to yours is, um, I haven't had caffeine, but once really, mm. um, since I was in the hospital at all, because, um, I don't know, in the hospital, they were serving it during the meals, um, not caffeine itself, but coffee, they were serving yeah. coffee. Um, and, uh, when I would drink it, like, I just, I don't know, I'd feel weird in my head. Cause you know, it, 
accelerates your thinking and all that. It makes it makes your brain active. So I was I don't know. It made me feel really weird. And it, for those of you that don't know, I have at least two cups a day, or at least I used to. Um, sometimes three when it when it would get intense. Um, and I just. I haven't had it other than once for a birthday party, and that was a mistake. So I'm sticking <laughs> with water now. But I do, I do really like miss coffee a lot, just for the the taste and yeah. all of those things. Um, but at the moment, I can I can finally say that I don't miss um, caffeine at all. Um, so it's yeah, yeah. Um, what about other pieces of media? Like, what has it been like to experience, say, music again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so music's been one of the most interesting ones because, um, so I didn't even realize this for a long time because since I was so like void of music and different things, like I was just void of media, really. Um, so I wasn't like listening to music. I wasn't doing really anything that I would normally do. I wouldn't, wasn't watching any YouTube videos or doing any of that. And when I came back to music, finally, um, I came to this realization when I was listening to my like first and second song that first off, I realized that I knew all the words to those songs. And that was really Ah, interesting. That was really powerful because it wasn't a space where I felt my normal vulnerabilities that I'd been experiencing for several weeks prior to that. So that was one aspect of it. Why music was just so awesome at that period of time. Um, But the, I don't know, the other side of it too was, I was like, it was making me way more um, emotional than I, than I had thought it was. Um, I mean, part of that I, I think is just attributed to um, the, you know, you've, you've survived something and you get to celebrate like this fun activity. You get to, you get to do this, this, you get to listen to your favorite songs again, um, and relive how they make you feel. Um, but this was just, (laughs) this was just so intense because like I was reliving some of the, um, emotions at that time, excuse me. No, it's fine. Um, when I, (laughs) when I was listening to some of my favorite, like, coheed songs and different things i just um i was hearing like i was feeling what i felt like all those years ago um again um like uh, when you listen to music right like um it's not it's not always the same over the term of your lifetime right because later in your lifetime i at least for me i feel like it's um you know, you're you're a little bit more removed from it because you're so you're so acclimated to the favorite songs sometimes, and um, they're just not as they're just not as heavy hitting as they once were. Um, for me, that that sometimes rears its head as um, like goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, so like songs that gave me goosebumps when I was you know years ago or when I was younger don't necessarily give me goosebumps now, but almost every song I was listening to. Um, of course I was doing like all my favorites all in the line. So maybe I wasn't helping myself, but, um, like, man, just experiencing those songs and feeling like the heaviness of them again was, was so awesome. And I, I don't, I don't even know how to, how to describe it other than that. Um, it was just, it, it made all of them even more intense and it, yeah. it's something, um, that I, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm still finding some of those songs from time to time. So it's, it's still fun to listen to music. Yeah. I had that moment. Um, I, we've talked about this before actually, but I, at one point I like backed up all of my music archive on Google play, um, which was at the time. I mean, it, now looking back, it's actually a pretty smart thing to do that it allowed you to do this. And I had all of it. And there've been a couple moments where I've, you know, that moment when you realize that, holy cow, I really enjoyed this song and I haven't even thought about it in a long time. It's mm-hmm. like a really interesting feeling to then go back and listen to it. And, and you're like, I don't even remember what this is like. But as you hear it, you're like, the words are just coming out and you don't even know exactly where they're coming from, but they're stored somewhere back there. That's a, such an interesting feeling. Yeah. I also remember uh, recently, not recently, a couple of years ago, I went on, went on a road trip with a group of guys in which um, always the awkward thing of the road trip is who's going to pick the music to play in the car. And we decided that we would pass the phone around and you had to play songs that reminded you most of high school, you know? Yeah. Um, and there are like, there are, there are specific records, you know, that, that remind me of, I had a, a, a 1980 Dodge Ram as my first car mm-hmm. and I can put on a record and, and, and just remember what it was like to be driving, listening to that music at that age, which is a feeling I, I don't feel like I get a lot because most of what I consume now is content like this. It's, it's podcasts. I'm very rarely, uh, driving in the car or walking around campus with my earbuds and listening, you know, putting a soundtrack onto what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly uh, listening to podcasts and listening to voices, yeah. which to, to your point has made music feel so much sweeter, mm-hmm. you know, just to, just to hear it again and just have a, have a different change of pace and, and, and put you back in those situations in which you originally experienced it or experienced it deeply or saw it performed for the first time is, is, uh, is really cool. And now of course I, I feel like I'm finally at the age where the only thing I listen to is a very, from a very specific period of high school, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like it's hard to get me real. it's to really get me into a new record and it happens a couple times a year. Um, but for the most part, you know, if you, I, I keep track of, of, uh, vinyl that I, that I collect and the majority of it is from one year, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just what I, I happen to continue to continue to listen to. Yeah. Um, what else, what have there been any other things that have had, have, have struck you that you're, you're surprised and how you reacted to them, experiencing them, uh, again? Um, yeah, there's, there's a few things. I'll say one that was kind of like on my mind today is, um, man, I'm, I'm tired of like all the, the media that's just, that just cries for attention, mm. like all the time. I having been so separate from it for like eight or so weeks, like coming back into it, I'm just like, I, I don't care. I don't want to, I don't want to see the boards on the wall with, um, sportscasters or news things or like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't want to see any ads or any of that stuff. Like, I don't want to, I'm, I'm tired of the, the, how much media cries for attention, I guess, at least right now. Um, maybe I'll reacclimate to that eventually. Um, but it, at some level, it's kind of sad that I would have to, um, I think like, I'm just so, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to say it other than that really. Yeah. It's, it's a real struggle, um, for me in that particularly the national media, um, feels like 
there's there's so much going on that feels critical and to a degree it's true like it really is like yeah. this is a really unique period in time as it relates to as it relates to national news but at the same time i get the same feeling um i was recently teaching abroad in which access to to internet was was available but not not nearly the speeds here so i really didn't have the ability to check like twitter in the same way i would and there'd be like moments where i'd go like oh man i haven't looked at like national news for like a day and a half, you know, yeah. and that just felt kind of good, you know, like yeah. I felt like I had accomplished something, you know, but just by just, but by, by just not checking, uh, the New York times for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, that's still a struggle, right? It's something we struggle with on a, on a daily basis is the first thing I tend to do when I, I pick up my phone in the morning is, you know, check email and see and see what stories have come come in. And one of the extreme examples for me is um, I didn't know that there was actually a. Um, I mean, you know, I'd known some of this was leading up to it, but I didn't know that the uh, the meeting between um, Trump and uh, and Kim Jong Un actually happened. <laughs> like I didn't know that um, because I wasn't like. Uh, I just wasn't keeping track of days. I wasn't keeping track of like news and all of that stuff. Um, and then when I saw the picture of them handshaking, I I thought it was photoshopped. Wow. I like just swore it was photoshopped because I was like, that is not that. How when did that happen? Like how is that how is that a thing? Um, and then you know eventually look into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, they had the summit and they did all these things. Like it didn't fall apart. Like Everyone, you know, well, not everyone, like some folks predicted and all this stuff, but like, I don't know. It's just like, that was weird. That was a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. And within the context of like following the story for a few weeks, looking back, it didn't feel too weird to me. But if you would have told me, you know, uh, uh, from, from day one of office that this meeting would eventually take place, that little rocket man, he would eventually be like shaking hands with him and talking, you know, about how great he is. That, that would have, that would have really blew my mind. That's, that, that's where season two was going to take us, yeah, yeah. Know, but that's kind of where it feels like right now. Um, yeah. um, I wanted to, to, to move to a different part of it. So you've been, you've been gracious enough to continue blogging while in recovery. You've done it a couple of times. Um, uh, and you, you mentioned, um, a lot of ways in which you were sort of supported or felt supported even from a distance, uh, via social media from people as well. Uh, and you mentioned specifically at GoFundMe, um, but other ways in which people had supported you. Uh, and, and I want to read one of the quotes in which you, which you wrote, which is, I've never felt more loved than this moment of my life. I am less, less frightened because of all of you. And I think those those sentences speak so well to how you're feeling that I don't think I, I didn't necessarily have to ask you, you know, sort of how you felt at the time. But, you know, maybe how, how did it feel initially to kind of see that support roll out? Um, yeah, it was encouraging, overwhelming. How do you? I mean, uh, I mean, it was so it was so wonderful um, because I had um, so I had friends and I'm lucky enough that I had friends and family members that even like they, you know, they drove a few hundred miles to, to come and, um, see me. Um, and I had, I had lots of folks in town. I had lots of folks in, at work. I had, um, lots of folks, um, uh, at church and all of these different things like come in and, and 
hang out and and do all, and I'm sorry if I don't remember that you did come out because I actually do, I don't remember everyone that came out. So, so I've been told. Yeah, so I've been told. Um, um, you but, signed the guest book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but there there are definitely a lot of um, there were tons of folks. Um, and then like when uh, my wife or when my um, or when my friend Sarah would like show me the the GoFundMe updates like as they would come in, I was just like. That was just crazy to me because um, that was not something I was thinking about at the time. Like one of the things I was um, getting worried about because, you know, of our somewhat of our healthcare system is like, oh, my gosh, now after all this is over, I'm going to have to figure all that out and like do all those things and figure out how to pay for some of this. Um, and that was just such such a blessing that I wasn't um, I wasn't anticipating to happen. Um, so and. And, you know, between the folks that were coming in, between all the messages that people sent, between the um, uh, the the flip grids and between the game jams and between all those things. And then on top of that, folks were um, donating to to ease ease some of those financial barriers that will, you know, that will be a thing because taking pieces out of your brain's not cheap apparently yeah. um but yeah i mean that's why that's why when i was writing that sentence i was like this is this is what this is the only way to explain it because i don't know i don't know what else to say after having so many folks come out um and and see me um and and tweet at me from afar and message me and and all of this like yeah that's been that's been wonderful yeah, well, and I can tell you that it's been rewarding from from my side, from the OU side as well. Um, to give an example, so the Go, I think the GoFundMe came out. It was the weekend after your surgery, but it had been a few days, you know. And yeah. we, in working in the office, you know, we didn't really want to. We were going to let the public was going to figure out some other way, you know, it certainly wasn't like our message to tell. Um, the, but the GoFundMe kind of gave, you know, carte blanche that like, okay, this is now a public thing. This is something that we can, uh, circulate and, and the story is being told in the, the most proper way, you know, um, who had ever written that if it was your, your wife or a friend who had who put that together. Yeah. It was um, my, my friend, Sarah. So yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful to you, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so really the only person within the college of journalism that I had told was Ralph. I told, you know, told Ralph, it's a, hey, it's a heads up, you know, um, but I really hadn't told anybody else. Uh, and we had a faculty meeting cause that was like, that was lining up with the right, right at the end of the semester in which all the faculty are gathered, you know, and, um, and the Dean opens it up for, you know, comments and everything. And, and, and Ralph in front of everybody is like, Oh, Hey Adam, tell everyone about Keegan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, Oh, well, Ralph, I don't, you know, he doesn't even work in the college journalism, you know, like, I, I don't know, I felt kind of awkward. It's not, this is not my story to tell. I don't know how much he, much he wants to circulate it, but I can at least kind of point people in the direction of how to help. Um, and so I, you know, I tell them we, we had been at a conference, we had traveled, you know, we had returned from the conference and virtually right from returning from the conference, you had this seizure and had to do brain surgery. And, and at, at least at that point, you know, I could give the news that surgery had gone well, you know, and I cannot tell you 
how many faculty members, peers of mine came up and would tell me a story about how you helped them with something who I had no clue you had even inter- interacted with, you know, they, they know your name at all, you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, Keegan Longwheeler, you might've seen him. He's got like, you know, long red hair and, uh, he goes a lot of classroom doing but you've literally helped everybody on campus. And one of the, like the biggest joys for me was getting to hear those stories, right? The hear, hear from my peers who are talking about uh, the impact that you've had. So I say all that to only say that, you know, I, I, I hope you recognize that people, I think, and I think people probably said this was, was at least from the, they, they understand your generosity and we're trying to give back a fraction, you know, of the joy that you've given them, you know, whether it was through monetary donations or putting together, uh, the twine games, uh, which you can, which you can find online and it was, you know, fun activities for people or putting together Flipgrid videos, you know, um, I hope that you, you know, really do feel that. Cause that was, a that was, that was a, that was a benefit from, you know, of course, uh, something that we would never want to happen to anyone and certainly never again, but that, you know, we got to experience almost without you, you know, uh, but I wanted to make sure and pass that along because, you know, I, I hope you get to hear that your, your impact was felt and, and because of this event, it made people stop and think about it and, and really recognize the, the amount of support that you've given faculty and students here at OU. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun um, because that's that's actually that may be one of the reasons I was craving coming back to work so much because um, I was uh, I was just ready. I mean, I'd, I'd miss so much. I miss some of our heavy times of trainings and some of those things where I get to interact with folks because. I mean, definitely when I'm like in the classroom and I say in the classroom. So when I'm interacting with faculty and doing those kinds of things, like those things are among my favorite times to be at work um, and preparing for them is so uh, is so fun as well. So I've been been itching to to put on put on nice clothes again and come come <laughs> in and, and do some of that. So, yeah, that's uh, I think that's that's probably I mean, that's one of the reasons why, if not the if not the reason why. Yeah. We were, we were walking down to the, to where we record the podcast from my office, you know, in, in the, in the third floor and, um, Gaylord Hall has these almost notorious staircase, this notorious staircase, uh, where the, the steps are way too tall for whatever reason. Um, but we had to go down two flights of stairs and you mentioned as we're going down, you said like, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, I might not have been, been able to do this. And that's, that's gotta be rewarding to know that, you, you mean you can you can sort of continue to watch your progress happen too. Yeah, yeah, that's been that's been really, really awesome. I think mostly just because like when I I guess when I first came to and you know when I first uh, the first thing I checked was do I feel myself mentally there mm-hmm. and like some of that once I realized that things didn't necessarily changed um, even though a lot in my life has now changed um, uh, I I can still be me and I can still, um, tackle the world as, as I wanted to before. So, yeah. well, day three back on the job, I feel like you're doing well. You know? <laughs> I, uh, I sense, I sense good things ahead. Um, this might be a tough one, but you know, do you have any sort of like parting thoughts or wisdom that you, that you could give to people? I mean, I feel like you've been able to sit and think about life in a, in a, in a way 
that most of us really get the opportunity to do so. And that's a, that's a big ask to make, you know, but is there something that you feel like you are going to start leaving people with that maybe you don't, you know, you wouldn't have otherwise before? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, um, is just the, um, because this was so sudden and because I'm, um, I guess because I still have some of that residual like invincibility feeling from being young and stuff. And of course, these things wouldn't happen to me, you know, and then and then now that they have, um, it's just when when you see like something that you want to do, like it's and something that you um, that, you know, that you will regret, like you should make sure that you take advantage of that when you do like, um, if you, and and I would say this from the context of, um, you know, if you're, if you're have the choice between going and hanging out with your, um, with your grandparents and watching another Netflix movie, like you can do every week, like, um, you only have a limited amount of time for some of these things in the world. So it's really kind of, um, adjusted some of those priorities around a lot. Um, and yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you on day three, giving me time, uh, to kind of capture this conversation. I really appreciate that. And we're really, really happy to have you back. Uh, and thank you for joining us to what turned out to not be your end of the world, but instead (laughs) was media in the end of the world. Thanks Keegan. Thank you. 